Chapter Fourteen of the Wonderful Bed. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Wonderful Bed by Gertrude Nevels. Chapter Fourteen, In the Hollow Tree. At first, it seemed perfectly dark inside the tree. But after the children had rubbed out of their eyes the soft powdery dust which their fall had stirred up, they made out the dull glow of a dying fire, a real one in a real fireplace this time, and no plum pudding affair. From the amount of furniture they knocked against and moving about, they knew they must be in somebody's house. "'Oh, dear,' whispered Anne, "'I hope the owner is not at home.' Rudolph said nothing, for he was groping about after the poker." He found it presently, and stirred the embers into quite a cheerful blaze. By this light the children were able to see, dimly, what the room was like. It was circular in shape, and the walls and ceiling were covered with rough bark. The floor was of earth covered with a thick carpet of dry leaves. There were several chairs and a round table, all made of boughs with the bark left on, and the mantelpiece was built of curiously twisted branches. On it stood a round wooden clock and a pair of wooden candlesticks. A pair of spectacles lay on the top of a pile of large fat books upon the table. "'I'd like to know whose house this is,' said Rudolph. "'It's man under the bed's house,' said Peter calmly. "'How do you know?' cried Anne and Rudolph. "'Cause I do know,' said Peter. "'Oh, Peter, you naughty boy, you are so provoking!' exclaimed Anne, hugging him. "'Tell sister what you mean.' and what you've been doing, and why you ran away to find those horrid creatures. "'Aren't horrid,' said Peter, wriggling away from her, "'and tis man under the bed's house, "'cause he came out by the little door when the bad dreams brought me. "'He came out of his little door, and he said, "'Peter, will you come to my party?' "'But there isn't any little door now,' interrupted Rudolph. "'Anyway, I can't find it.' He had taken a candle from the mantelpiece, had lighted it at the fire, and was making a careful search of the walls. No trace of a door or any opening except the fireplace could be seen. "'It's a magic door,' said Peter cheerfully. "'Man under the bed touched something with his foot, and that opened it, and then he pushed you, and you pushed me, and I bumped into Anne, and here we are.' "'He's shut us up on purpose,' cried Anne. "'It's just like him.' He shut us up to starve us into submission, like they do in books, said Rudolph gloomily. I'm starved now, began Peter, and that was the very nicest pie. But the other two were much provoked with Peter for having led them into such a fix, and they would not listen to him any longer. By Rudolph's orders, Anne lighted the other candle, and both searched again with the greatest care for some trace of the secret door. At last Anne's sharp eyes spied not a door, but a small opening in the wall far above their heads, like a little round window, not much bigger than a knot-hole. Rudolph climbed upon the table, but found he was hardly tall enough to look through, so he was obliged to hoist Peter upon his shoulders and let him have first look. When the little boy got his eye to the window, he gave such a shout of surprise that he nearly knocked Rudolph and himself completely off the table. "'Hush!' warned his brother. "'You mustn't make a noise.' "'Can you see what the bad dreams are doing?' "'Yes, I can see them,' whispered Peter. "'They're all sitting around the fire, and man under the bed is making a speech.' "'What's he saying?' asked Anne anxiously. 
I can't hear, but he's awful cross. Now the little black man has gone. Now he's come back again, and, oh, what is it? What is it? cried Ann and Rudolph. He's got three animals on a chain, a bear and, and a lion and a great big white wolf. Oh, Peter, darling, you know they're only dream animals, Anne hastily reminded him. Well, they're most as nice as real ones. They're awful fierce. What's the little black man doing with them? interrupted Rudolph. He's letting them loose, said Peter, and they're smelling round. He's putting them by the tree to guard us. That's what he's doing, broke in Rudolph. To swallow us up if we ever do escape, wailed Anne, now thoroughly frightened. Oh, Rudolph, whatever shall we do? Rudolph hastily lowered Peter to the floor and got down off the table. Anne, said he, there must be another way out. In books there always are two ways out of secret rooms. And this, he added cheerfully, is the bookiest thing that's happened to us yet. Come, let's look again for it. He and Anne began the search once more, going over and over the walls by the light of their candles, but without any success. Peter was nosing about by himself in a little recess by the fireplace, and soon the other two heard him give a gleeful chuckle. "'What is it? Have you found the spring of the secret door?' cried Rudolph, running to him. "'Nope,' said Peter. "'It's nicer than that. It's a cake. I found it right here on this little shelf that you went past and never noticed.' "'Oh, Peter,' Anne scolded, "'I think you are the very greediest little boy I ever knew.' "'That cake belongs to man under the bed, and you know it,' said Rudolph sternly. "'It's a dream cake, of course, a bad dream cake, so you can't eat it.' Peter clasped the small round cake tightly to his breast. "'It's a nice seed cake like Cook makes,' he said stubbornly, "'and I must eat it.' "'The seeds in it are poppy seeds,' explained Rudolph, "'and you'll go to sleep and dream bad dreams forever like the nightmare said.' so you shan't eat it. He tried to get the cake away from his naughty little brother, who only grasped it all the more tightly. There would have been a quarrel, and a fierce one, if it had not been for Anne. I tell you, said she, let's try it on the animals. This seemed a really bright idea, and Rudolph agreed at once, though Peter considered it wasteful. Anne had to coax some time, but at last she persuaded him to part with his cake. Rudolph would not trust Peter with the distributing, so he piled three fat dictionaries that lay on the table one on top of another and climbed upon them himself, managing in this way to bring his eye to the level of the little window. The plum pudding fire was burning very low by this time, and Rudolph could barely make out the forms of some of the bad dreams who were stretched on the ground round it. Suddenly he gave a great start and nearly tumbled off the dictionaries for he found himself staring down into the yellow, hungry eyes of the big white wolf. Peter had described him truly. He was very fierce. Wolfier-looking Rudolph thought than any of his kind the boy had seen in the dens of the park. Now the beast gave a low growl and opened his great red mouth. Rudolph dropped a generous bit of cake straight into it. The big jaws closed with a snap, and the white wolf looked up for more. By this time the other beasts had discovered the presence of refreshments and came slinking forward, squatting themselves one on either side of their companion. Rudolph could hardly help a squeal of surprise at the sight of the yellow lion and the big shambling bear. 
he remembered in time, though, to smother it, and hastily divided the rest of the cake between the two animals. When they had licked it up greedily, Rudolf turned his attention again to the white wolf, and this time he could not suppress an exclamation of delight. "'Oh, what is it? Tell us!' cried Anne, while Peter jumped up and down, impatiently begging to be allowed to see. "'He's going to sleep! The white wolf is,' whispered Rudolf. "'He's rocking from side to side. He can hardly stand up. His red tongue is hanging out of his mouth. He looks too silly for anything. Now he's rolled over on his back. Now he's snoring. And the other animals, the lion and the bear? They are lying down, too. They'll be asleep in a moment. There, Peter, didn't I tell you it was a dream cake? But even then Peter did not appear grateful. He went back to the shelf where he had found the cake and stood looking at it wistfully, as if he hoped he would find another. Rudolph came up behind him and looked over his shoulder. "'It's no use,' said Peter mournfully. "'There isn't any more.' "'There's this,' cried Rudolph triumphantly, and reaching over Peter he pressed a little round knob of wood half hidden under the shelf. Instantly the whole shelf, together with a large piece of the wall, swung aside, and the children were standing on the threshold of just such another little door as that by which they had entered, only on the other side of the tree. For a moment the three children hesitated, half afraid to believe in their good luck, and then, taking hold of hands, they stepped softly out of their prison. Almost at their feet lay the great white wolf, the yellow lion, and the shaggy bear, all snoring in concert. Carefully avoiding them, the children made for the thick woods ahead, not caring where they went so long as they could escape from their enemies. The big tree was now between them and the plum-pudding fire around which the bad dreams lay asleep, so it really seemed as if they had a good chance of getting away unseen. "'Hurry, hurry!' Rudolph whispered, dragging Anne by the hand. "'If we can only get to those thick trees, I am sure we shall be safe.' "'If they only don't wake up!' she panted. Just at that exciting moment Peter had to make trouble, as usual. He stumbled and fell over a twisted root, hurt his knee, and gave a loud, angry squeal. Rudolph clapped a hand over his mouth and dragged him to his feet, but it was too late. They were discovered. A tall form shot up out of the grass just behind them, and instantly a loud war-whoop rang through the woods. "'It's Thundersnore! It's the Indian!' Rudolph cried. Run for your lives! End of chapter 14